Good Friday, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Weekly Bustle. Today, I'm again with uh, Phil, and you can imagine the change of scenery. That's because Holland has become wet, and with that, we have to move indoors. <laughs> so we are inside Phil's beautiful house, and Phil, what do you want to talk about today? Hey, nice that you came over to my place again on this a bit cooler evening, but it's nice. Um, yeah, I'm excited to talk about something that you've been mentioning throughout the conversations with me quite a few times, which is what kind of AI tools you're starting to use in your workflow. Yeah. I think you're a very efficient guy, as we've talked about before, you get a lot of stuff done and yeah, you, you, you managed to use some tools quite uh, effectively. Um, I, I thought it would be interesting to talk about that practical aspect of AI a little bit. Everybody talks about what dangers of AI are, mm-hmm. but this is interesting to just see what can I actually use it for. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that sounds good. And we will get into it. So before we actually go into it, let me just give a quick summary of the, how the thing will look like. So we're going to be discussing general conversation around AI, the practical tools that me and Phil think are very interesting for you guys to know about, right? So tools that we think could really improve your workflow. And then we also might delve deeper into discussing, okay, the pros and cons and where does this fit in everything? And then we're going to be going towards the close of the conversation. So without further ado, I would like to talk to you about something Phil first. And that is, you are working in woodworking right now. Yeah. yeah. Right. And uh, I remember you told me you are planning to transition back into uh, a knowledge uh, working uh, space. So right now, probably you won't really need AI in your workflow. So where is this interest coming from? Well, oh yeah, that's true. In my work, uh, cutting wood and sanding and building furniture, no, there's not much AI. But I think in in my private life, I want to use it a little bit, uh, as in use it as an assistant. But also, I really don't want to miss the boat because, you know, uh, if I go back to working in any computer-related job, I don't want to be lagging behind everybody else who started to use AI because, you know, it's, it's going to be the ones without the, the, any knowledge of AI who are going to be replaced and not... Um, yeah, uh, not the people who can just use it effectively. And also, uh, there is, I've, I've seen jobs come by where they say literally uh, 300 grand yearly salary for being a prompt engineer, engineer, right? Like, <laughs> and you start to think, hmm, yeah, that's not a, not a train that I want to miss, uh, yeah. even while I'm working in woodworking. Uh, yeah. Eventually, you'll, you'll need it. And I, I, I want to stay on board. Yeah, that is true. That is true. There are some ridiculous positions, especially in Silicon Valley, where they're going crazy with the money that they want you to uh, prompt engineer stuff and uh, check for biases and all of that stuff. Something we'll get into at the end of the conversation, because that is part of every machine learning and uh, data centric uh, companies or products problem. But you are uh, interested in learning about tools because when you move back, you might want to use Yeah, them. look, if I go back to the office, it'll be in some way or another or another related to project management. Yeah. And um, so maybe I, I will not become a developer ever again, I think. Yeah. I might work with developers. I might work with teams. Yeah. I will um, have to plan things efficiently. I have to make, you know, do research efficiently. Yeah. Uh, these kind of things are interesting for me. Yeah. And, yeah, of course, it, it, it can also start to... Uh, Involve your private life. I can find out what the best uh, things are for my baby uh, with 
Yeah, that is that is true. There are a lot of things that we, that can be worked with, and I, to be honest, uh, I do know what you mean. Uh, ideally, ideally, in my opinion, uh, a lot of uh, these apps are still in their infancy. They're not really getting there yet. Uh, right. But I would love, love, love a full-fledged virtual assistant who could uh, ex- explain me everything that I want to know or follow up on everything that I want to do. For example, uh, I look for new roles. Uh, to keep my pipeline filled uh, through different positions like LinkedIn, freelance, and all of these places mm-hmm. every day, sometimes even twice a day, like a habit. It would be so nice to fun. just outsource it. Like the machine just picks up, okay, oh, this looks like a Power BI role, or this looks like an AI role, or this looks like a consultant, like a, a business analyst role. Uh, let me forward this to your email so that you can look at it, or let me put this shelf it in like a, a Google Chrome books bookmark. And when I read that bookmark, it automatically deletes it out of the way that, okay, it's done. Yeah. And, and when I like something, I go like, I like this. And then it crafts me the uh, the cover letter for the position by reading the position and then making an offer for me and then negotiating for me, you know, like those kind of things. That's, that's my aim. Right, like, right. That's an assistant I would use. I'm basically replacing a human assistant. Yeah. Um, so two things. First of all, you mentioned AI positions. Do you actually work? As an AI consultant, or yeah, I do. Right I now. do work as an AI trainer. Uh, so basically, what I do is I go into companies and I teach them about data and AI and what they can do. So my clients currently are uh, Robobank and uh, Robobank. Bank. Yeah, and uh, of course, I also have some uh, in uh, other companies like Philips, and uh, also National Netherlands was one of my clients in the back. But right now, actively, I'm focused on Robobank. I'm actually going there next week teach them again uh, about AI foundations and AI ethics. And the idea basically behind it is just that it's data. So I want to first demystify AI, right? I think the most simplest problem people face with AI is they think it's something new. It isn't. It's been there for 10 plus years, 20 if you count computer science, it's just machine learning. It's the same thing. What you've been doing for 10, 15 years, what I've been doing for the past six years, the only difference that has become now between those and this is instead of machines telling us what is good machines telling us and showing us what's good they're also making it for us now so it's generative ai right so if you use facebook if you use snapchat if you use twitter that's all ai right what yeah, you see on your feed it, it's all ai it's but the difference is ai would choose what to show you it would prioritize based on keywords hashtags etc cetera, etc cetera, reach but now what ai can do is it can create content for you Chat GPT and all of that stuff can create content for you. Dali, Midjourney, they can make pictures for you. Right. But they could always look at different pictures and pick which one was good, pick one which was bad. Now it can make pictures. So it's a next step, a next logical step. Yeah, yeah. So that's why when I say I'm an AI trainer, it's not like it's suddenly a new field. It's mostly repackaging of what I used to do. But now it's become, oh, data and AI. But you're also teaching people how to use... AI to increase their efficiency in their workflow, right? Uh, yeah. Well, mostly the companies that I work with, for example, Rabobank, the idea is to teach them there are these tools, there are these techniques, and uh, you should in- incorporate them into your workflow, but it's mostly mindset. So we don't really recommend tools because, yeah, of course, we don't know which tools work for you, but we tell them that you need to use tools, right. any tools. Basically <laughs> what we want to do. What we want to discuss now, right? We will give some recommendations, but again, it's... They like, I think I remember reading this time, 70 new AI startups are coming in every week since the start of the year. Everyone is on the train. And that means most of it is garbage. Yeah. Right? Right? So, there's a lot of duplicates as well. If you look through the lists of tools and you see the same thing, 
15 times with different price like, points. And you're like, okay. A virtual assistant, virtual assistant, the transcriber, transcriber, transcriber. And you're like, oh, what, what value are you adding? But yeah, indeed. So that is basically one thing I wanted to get out of the way. So in this day and age, it, it becomes very difficult and very, uh, you can call it uh, overwhelming. I think that's a good word to use with all the information around you and all the new yeah. hype train. Even for example, you who is out of the space, you right. still feel overwhelmed. You're like, you know what? I need to know this. I need to be on board because there's something. Hey, I'm, I'm a techie at heart. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like even if you moved out of, of the field, you're still in touch with the field and you're still listening. My parents, my brother, my little brother just graduated uh, college. And he's like, oh, I want to make, he's into e-commerce, Amazon, all of that stuff. And he's like, oh, I want to use AI in Amazon. And I'm like, yeah, but what do you want to use AI for? And he's like, that's just AI. There's going to be something. And I'm like, dude, I know AI. You're, that's bullshit what you're saying. You need to say something, something of substance. And he started thinking, he's like, oh, there would be this amazing tool that uh, in e-commerce, you need to take pictures of all the products. Right? If I'm trying to sell this thing, I have to take pictures from every different angle and post it online and do some product photography. But wouldn't it be nice that I give this picture to AI and it makes a photography for me so that I don't have to every single time make a photo of my new, uh, of my new app. I'm like, that's a good idea. Go with that. He's like, okay, but I don't know how to do that. I'm like, yeah. now you're getting you some work. Yeah. yeah. So at least, at least you're getting somewhere. So yeah, it is overwhelming and uh, the plan is to get through them. So what do you say? Let's, let's go walk through some of the ones you liked first. Well, I, can I jump in with one of you? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And you just mentioned uh, like you, you want to replace an assistant. Um, so I'm assuming you're using some kind of human assistant, maybe a remote working assistant. I want to, but it's, it's very expensive to me. <laughs> ah, okay, okay. But when you're, when you're doing your daily work, your meetings, etc., um, your client interactions, do you have stuff where you're really able to outsource anything already? Like that you don't do at all yourself? Is that already a part? Uh, mm, I used to outsource my meetings transcriptions, yeah. uh, but that becomes a data security issue. So I stopped doing that. So I used to have my recordings on teams and I would give access to someone I trust that, okay. Like family friend who wants to earn money a little bit. And, ah, like a, a physical person. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, can you then listen to the recording and then can you write it down and send me a word or something? You don't know, like key points or summarize and everything. Right. Uh, and they were doing a good job, but I was barely using it. So I had a really interesting, I think as a project manager, you would also love this uh, workflow. Basically for project managing and uh, business analysis, documentation is key, right? That's what sure. you're, that's what you're basically selling. You're like, I'm a guy or a girl who knows how to keep shit in place. That's what you buy because anyone else can do like attend meetings and everything. But my killer thing is that I don't forget things. Deadlines will always be on point. And anything that I read or research or anything will be stashed in a very nicely labeled confluence space, for example. So that was the plan. I was like, okay, every meeting will be transcribed and then all the plans will be there. And then on, on confluence, I will go by topic by topic, subtopic by subtopic, meeting by meeting. I never got to there because it was just so much work. I'd outsource it to the person and I was like, can you do it? And she was like, I don't think I can do that either. I don't know what you're talking about. So I'm like, okay, then I, I don't think an AI is getting there anytime soon. Okay. Yeah. okay. So AI is not there yet. Yeah, a document like that, no, it can only tell you stuff like, okay, it will transcribe word for word what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. And uh, some AI also give you a special meeting minutes or summary statistics. They go like, oh, well, this is what you were talking about. This AI that I was using, assembly it is called. And yeah. uh, what they would do is whenever you mention a number, yeah, 
it would record it as a, as a key point. It'll be like, oh, you were mentioning some numbers. That means it was important, like uh, growth percentages or something or deadlines. Right. So it would record that statement separately. And then when you finish the meeting, it gives you like this uh, one paragraph or like one pager in which it gives you the key points, uh, things to remember. Uh, oh, so it does bullet. actually give you like bullets. It does, but it doesn't work well in my experience. Ah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, to be honest, there's also a bias aspect of it as well. My speech is not as clear as maybe uh, native English speakers. So it becomes a bit difficult maybe for the AI to understand what I'm saying. And because of that, it could also make it a bit murky because even in transcriptions, I would see a lot of errors, like uh, what I'm saying and what is written. So that, that happens. And I have to say, I mean, the audience knows this, you are quite a fast speaker. Exactly. Yeah. And imagine it's difficult for the, I would think, I would think the machine would catch up because it's, Hopefully. Yeah. I mean, that's something, uh, which is kind of that a lot of people forget that it's getting better every day. Yeah. So one, one tool I really like to use is, is called Deeple Translate. It's a deep learning AI that mm -hmm. helps you translate. And it really, it, it's gotten really, really good because it's, I use it to translate into Dutch all the time and people don't notice that I don't speak Dutch um, really well, or at least I don't write Dutch very well. Ah, okay. Because it's, uh, it, it's great. But I'm pretty curious, how does that work? I mean, technically? No, not, not just technically, even functionally, because what is the difference between that and the Google Translate? Mm, it just, it gets the gist of, of your whole paragraphs, especially if, if you give it longer text. Ah, that's the difference, okay. Yeah, so I write an email, a longer thing uh, in English, yeah. pump it in there, and it gives me just really well-written uh, translations, which which tone tonally work well and everything else. Yeah, yeah, I get it. But your Dutch is pretty good, though. It's good enough to read it back and see if it was good enough, you know. But if I had to type it out, uh, it yeah. would take me a very long time, and yeah. be, it would not be grammatically correct. Yeah, but while speaking, uh, no, I type it in English. No, 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 I'm saying while speaking, I've heard you speak so much oh, here and there. Yeah, yeah, I, I speak Dutch a bit, but writing is is the next level. Yeah, I know because I don't. I, it's the same for me. Yeah. I listen pretty well, speaking a bit weaker than that, and writing the worst. My teacher, I'm taking Dutch classes, and uh, my teacher for the past four weeks, every week we meet, he's been <laughs> gave me Tal biography, which yeah. is basically uh, I have to write about languages, which languages I know, which languages I want to learn, why Dutch, all of that stuff. So okay. Just a small paragraph. Past four weeks, the homework has been written. Then he would give me feedback. Then he, I write it again, again feedback, write again. So now he's like, "Ah, oh, this is the last time. Fix it." And then we're not doing this again because <laughs> tired of it. I'm like, I know I'm telling you I'm tired of it. Why are you not listening to me? He's like, it's important. Writing is important. But yeah, it's been four weeks since we're doing this. Yeah, I'm telling you, deep L, just the word deep L.com. And he won't, he won't notice. He won't notice the difference. <laughs> it's, it's really good. And what I wanted to say, like, people forget this also with Google Translate. Like, it's getting better every fucking day, right? Yeah, yeah definitely. That's how it works. It's, it's not, we think, oh, it didn't work so well. I'm not going to use it again to write my email, but no, it, if it didn't work so well last week, maybe now it, it does it much better already, right? It, it's, it's constantly improving. Yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the essence of machine learning, right? You give, keep giving it content and it's going to keep getting better and better. The more the training data uh, it has, the better it gets. That's why ChatGPT is so great because it's, it's, been, it's been learned on millions and millions and millions of, of statements and paragraphs and research papers and everything. So it can talk pretty quickly, but then you can see how much big of a can of worm opens up as well. Then a lot of authors are right now uh, suing open AI 
because uh, OpenAI has access to their books, yeah. which they never gave rights. Yeah, they have source code on, uh, on Git, right? Exactly, and uh, that's one of the reasons why Samsung and Apple actually banned ChatGPT from their uh, from their companies. It's not like they're not fast moving. They're like, if you're going to use this for co-piloting or like uh, checking your source code, it records your source code, and it uses that for its training. So we trust OpenAI, but it can get breached. And then what are you going to do? Apple's all source code. Samsung's all source code is there. That's interesting. How does that work? And so even if you're using, I think Copilot is another one you just mentioned, yeah. which is inside of uh, Visual Studio, right? Yeah, it's it's uh, Copilot depends on which one. So Git has its own Copilot, mm -hmm. and Microsoft Power BI has its own Copilot. So while you're writing your code, it's actually sending it to the server of of whatever. Yeah, but the yeah, 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 but Copilot, the benefit of Copilot is it's in its own server. So Git, for example, if you have a Git source code and Git has a Copilot, so it's only in Git. Yeah, it's anyway on Git. Or... So you trust it because it's anyway on Git anyways. But if you copy from that to ChatGPT, then it goes to OpenAI, it goes to ChatGPT. But it couldn't be that my nifty uh, uh, algorithm is getting su suggested to somebody else because it learned from my algorithm. Which was it can. Yeah. It can. That is how it works because it trains on the data. So it will not give you proprietary information, but if you tweak it and uh, you tweak your prompts properly, you can get it to tell information that it recorded from someone else. That's how machine learning works. I'm sorry. Do you think in practice this is really like doable? I don't know. Theoretically, it is. Practically, the problem is with generative AI, it will never give you the same result again. That's the beauty of generative AI. So it will be, it will be very, very lucky that you have this very unique piece of code that you upload or you use it to improve and it records it. And then someone asks a prompt that gives it that particular, cool. right. it yeah. becomes very rare. Yeah, and also it would be a very small snippet and at some point. It gets yeah, drowned out in the noise, yeah. Yeah, if yeah. but if it gets problem. breached, because every recording will have uh, some metadata attached to it, right? So, okay, this was done by this user of this company, of this region, of this IP address. And then hackers can know, okay, this particular blob of information is from Apple. And it's worth, now it's expensive suddenly, and now we're going to steal this. That's the problem mostly. Not really like anyone can steal your property uh, code from prompting it, but actually hackers can get into it, and then you're screwed. So that they actually get into the back end of this. Yeah, and that can happen because it has happened to everybody, right? Everyone has had their uh, app hacked into, and uh, especially with Europe and GDPR, you're going to get very hefty fines if uh, if personal data gets leaked. Yeah. So, so you don't want to take the risk. But yeah, that's problem with these kind of AIs. And uh, that's one of the reasons I had to stop with my assistant transcribing. <laughs> and same reason why I cannot use one of the, uh, these uh, transcribing AIs because uh, they also send the information to their right. own model. Right. But Microsoft Teams just came up with a transcription option as well. So within Microsoft Teams, you can oh, click on yeah. yeah, but no summaries or bullet points just gives you a transcription then. But the app that you were using for bullet pointing, what was that one? Assembly, assembly.ai. Yeah, it has a free version, then it has a basic version, and then a pro version, depending on how many, how many hours of recordings you wanted to transcribe. Yeah, okay. Okay, and apart from your from your accent and speed of, of thought, it was quite uh, it was quite good, right? It was good. Yeah, I think I think you can use it better, especially with like prompts. So, for example, as a as a project manager, you also sometimes get some stuff you want to remember, right? So, what you do, you go like, okay, I'm gonna write it here, point to remember. You can also go like, hey, assembly. Can you, mm -hmm. yeah. uh, can you record this? And the assembly will specifically record that in the key points so that yeah. you will never forget it, like an action point. Can you record this action point? Yeah. yeah. And it does it for you. So nice. that way it is pretty useful. 
but because I was not using it much in my work, and of course because of uh, data regulations, it, it would be a bit weird me screaming out "Hey, somebody!" all the time, and they're like, "Who are you talking to?" And I'm like, "That's my note taker." <laughs> Without mentioning it, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And there were some good ones, of course, for uh, writing text, writing content. ChatGPT. Well, there's ChatGPT, but yeah. there was one called Jasper which looked quite interesting. It, it can make even your video scripts and uh, use a voice and uh, like put, a, put images to, to your video so you can uh, just create all kinds of content. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that is a very, very good use case of AI I've seen a lot of companies do. Yeah. So there was this AI, I really don't know the name, I saw a LinkedIn post, but what it would do is that you go to YouTube any big video YouTube, yeah. you would uh, look at it, send the link, uh, click on the link, paste it in this AI app. It will find some good moments based on sentiment analysis of what the person is saying. And uh, then it will script the, uh, it will make it into a reel. It will transcribe, of course, what the person is saying in very nice different fonts. And then it's going to add music to the background automatically, pasting on the thing. And then your reel is basically ready. And the guy was like, how to make 100 reels in five minutes. You know, because, because, yeah, but that's where I find it also so stupid or scary. Yeah. Because then you have all these guys making hundreds of real, it's not, it's not like YouTube hasn't enough content on there already. What is it? A hundred thousand hours per day that are being uploaded. You can never catch up. But then you have all this shit created by AI. You have all these tweets created by AI, you have all these blog posts created yeah. by AI, all these newsletters. And then we need an AI to, to, to reverse like uh, decode it again into bullet points, which is important for us. So we have like, somebody puts in five bullet points, it writes them a, a whole, uh, whatever, two page. And then we ask you to make it into five bullet yeah. points. Again. You ask him, oh, can you just summarize this for me? Because I don't have time to read this whole yeah. bullshit post. But, and then it's only just doing it for the AI. It's a bit like, it's a bit of a silly proposition to me. Yeah, I, I agree where you're coming from. And if you think about it, that's how it's been even before AI, isn't it? With it's, SEO. Yeah, and if you Google it, if you Google anything, hundreds of people have written the same thing about the same thing. Uh, there's actually a field about it, right? It's called copywriting. That's the word copywriting comes from. The whole point is you take an existing post and you reword it and you put add in your little bit of your element and then you post it and you give credits to the person. And I'm like, yeah, for me, that was a big problem because I was like, but why? But then people are argue it's because we want to generate uh, traffic into our website and everything. So that's why. I think at some point this will just break the internet quite soon, actually. Yeah, I mean the, the the World Wide Web kind of website browsing because it'll be it'll become stupefying to start reading through. Yeah, those. yeah, but I don't know how much space they have. Like how much space the World Wide Web. That's not my technical. No, I don't mean technically. I mean it'll become unusable. What I, that's what I'm thinking. If all the content or 90% of the content is just created to drive traffic and, and uh, increase, increase rankings and so on, then you're not going to find any really authentic uh, and unique content. Yeah, I have no idea how... I mean, I've seen this recently uh, with tweets or, or even with, uh, what was it, like Google reviews. Then it was just obvious that this is all written by an AI. And like, yeah. okay, now I, I don't want to read any of this anymore. Like, I'm just going to stop reading all this. Or yeah. like, these reviews are now useless to me because yeah. I have to assume that it's all written by AI. So the app. Now, it was like this. It was the, the response from, 
from uh, property, you know, to the reviews that was given to them, yeah. all written with AI text. And, you know. Yeah, it's great that you're using it, but I'm just going to stop reading all of this shit yeah. because now I know. So, so I almost think there should be, like the next big AI app should be an ad blocker for AI written text. So that I don't have to read through it and just shows me a bullet point. Yeah, yes, I, I can already think of that, right? That uh, the next big thing after this would be uh, tagging AI content. I think there will be AI that will be able to figure out what AI is creating and be able to tag it. This so then possible. when you when you search something, you'd be like, I only want to see non-AI stuff. I want to see authentic stuff. But that's how it works, right? Because authenticity is such a novel, like a, such a human thing that we crave it. We like we crave novelty. So. When everything becomes AI, is going to be fun in the start. But afterwards, when people are going to be so tired of it. Exactly. Because right now, it's fun because it's novel, right? It's fun if you the first time hear a song written or like sung by an AI. But if all the songs on the radio are by AI. Then you're going to be like, I want to listen to a new real person now. Yeah. And then uh, the, the scales will shift. I think we've had this conversation before while we were walking once that uh, you went from a very collectivist society to a very individualistic society. And now you're realizing that, okay, that was bad, but this is also bad. And now you're slowly reverting back to the middle. So it's all about balance, right? So you go there into all human-centric stuff. Now you're going to go into all AI stuff. And then probably you're going to go back a little bit to the middle ground that, you know, what's this? Yeah, Yeah, and that's going to happen. That's with every technology. When mobile phone came, if you remember, everything was supposed, everything needed to have an app. Everything needed to have an app. Everything was supposed to be done for the phone and everything. And now you're like, but I don't need it. Do I need to use Twitter on my phone all the the time? X. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. So let's leave that out because that's well. It's obviously a, a practical use of AI. It's not really. It's not even going to be here to stay. We're not all going to be content creators with AI and have our blog posts written. Like yeah. That. But what are things that you see that are really that you think are here to stay? Well, one thing I really really like about. Uh... In generative AI, of course, is the power of the chatbots, right? Yeah. Now you can imagine multiple business cases where AI really will help you. Uh, I was reading this blog post on LinkedIn by a person called, okay, it's not about data management anymore. It's about knowledge management because data will be ma- data is being managed by AI now. And yes, you have data engineers and everything and data scientists and everything who try to make sense of your data. But now because... I have a knowledge scientist Knowledge scientists, really, they're saying this is new thing that the idea is not because chat GPT and all of these large language models will only work if your content is proper, if your if your knowledge is proper, right? So imagine this, you were working in ASML, right? So imagine this, that ASML has its own chatbot and you have a technical question. It already has its own chatbot. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, like generative chatbot, not like, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you shouldn't say anything internally, but externally, chatbot, think of this. You have an assignment, right? And um, you have to find uh, the the certain degree that this particular metal can handle, for example. I have no idea how, how semiconductors work, but for example, right? Mm-hmm. Now, that knowledge is with one person. Now, you have to find that person, either message them or book something in their agenda or something like that. Or... Everyone records everything that they know uh, in, in a proper conference page or something. And all you need to do is open your app and go like, hey, what is this melting degrees of this particular thing? This is the name. And the app bot immediately answers you. Oh, are you talking about ISO 2436717? Oh, it's higher temperature. Is this? Is there anything else you want to know about? You can imagine the power that can come with that. That suddenly 
all of the knowledge of your organization is on your fingertips. Now research becomes very easy. Now you don't have to run after people. Yeah, and those people will become obsolete because all their knowledge is sucked into the machine. Yeah, yeah. But, well, no, they will not become obsolete. They will go on to better, better things. Yeah, like, it's not about obsolete. Then they will not answer all the emails. Yeah, exactly. Because, but is that a good waste of your time? A good use of your time. Waste is already a bad word, but a good use of your time, right? Running people and people running after you because of your knowledge. Is there anything in that direction? Or? That's what everyone is trying to make. Uh, the whole concept of chat GPT, that it's a large language model. So everyone is now trying to make their own large language model. Yeah, okay, okay. But chat GPT will never be, uh, it, like me as a, as a big enterprise will never have chat GPT uh, sucking in the information. What you're talking about, if I understand correctly, would be something that's listening. If I'm just the expert on whatever part subsystem that I've created for my yeah. company, and I know everything about it. And, answering emails all day long about you know, questions about details of my thing that I just yeah. designed. It should read these emails, ingest the answers that I'm giving and say, oh, I know now I can already answer this email for you because I know what you answered the last three times, right? No, no, not just that. Not just that. You think even broader. So what what technically chat GPT is, it's basically a large language model, yeah, okay. right? So what it is doing is taking billions and billions of, of content or information, and it's trying to summarize it, and then it's trying to understand it, the patterns, the tones, and then it answers your questions about it. So your organization will feed your own large language model, which you can get off the shelf. It doesn't need to be open AI or ChatGPT because it's app security. Just take the actual model that ChatGPT is using. That is publicly available, of course. Like not ChatGPT's own model, but the concept of large language yeah, model. Yeah, and then just uh, ingest your data into it. And then it will know everything about ASML or everything about Rabobank, for example. And then you can ask him all the questions. But the data that you're putting in is the most important thing. So that can be emails of all your organizations, all of the thing. Or it could be more constructed in a way that it knows where to find what. And that's where knowledge management comes in, right? If you want to make it more efficient, you will have to make the data also a bit more cleaner. Right. And that's where knowledge management comes in. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I get it. I'm trying to think if you uh, to make it really tangible, useful here also for, for listeners. Like, is there, if I wanted to go find anything like that for my company, do you have any tips already? Uh, I think you'd have to start with understanding what, first thing you need to do is you need to find a, a, a data scientist or a national language processor scientist who works with text data. Mm-hmm. You need to find that person in your organization and then ask them that, okay, can we make our own large language model? That should be the first step as a business leader. And then they're going to take it from there. They're going to be like, yes, we can this. No, we can't because this. And then from there you go there and uh, you need technical expertise for this, of course, how the data needs to be that all of that will, the the practitioner will know who is going to be there for you. But that is a practical use case in my head that I can think of. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, you will need that, that human feedback, right? I think to, to avoid all the hallucinations, et cetera, et cetera, because if you think of a complex company that makes uh, big machines for semiconductor production, yeah. then you don't want to have uh, something hallucinating answers because it kind of thinks it knows what it's talking about. Yeah, you'd really have to be able to fact check it. Yeah, for the first couple of years or so. Definitely, like, definitely. 
run it by the expert and let him say, oh yeah, that, that's exactly that's what it is. That's what it is. Yeah, 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 exactly. You can do that. You can always verify it with the experts and flag it what was right, what wasn't right, why it wasn't right. There are a lot of studies done by being done by researchers right now and how ChatGPT, uh, specifically ChatGPT and generative AI tries to filter out information. So for example, right now on ChatGPT, if you try to ask something about people, like public figures like uh, Biden or Trump or Putin or something like that, it refuses to answer you. It yeah. says no, because that's hard coded in it. But if you ask about general people, and again, you prompt engineer your way through, it, 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 you can bypass the code. <laughs> and it just gives you everything. So you can bypass the hurdle. So what I'm trying to say is that it, it is something researchers are actively working on in trying to find uh, the biases that are hidden in there to find them, the hallucinations and trying to fix it the drifts that are there, but that's a work in progress. As you said, it's going to get better every week, right? So you have to just give it time, but that's a very practical use case. Another practical use case that I got, as you mentioned about the human touch, uh, uh, that think of it this way, a very easy use case is chat, uh, chatbots, right? So uh, you're a customer at, for example, ING, and you're like, you know what? My bank account is not working. Well, let me message the chat. And of course the chat being AI is the easiest answer I can give you, but that misses the human touch. So I heard this really, really good example where they were like, okay, we don't want to replace the human worker. We want to empower the human worker. So what we want is we want the human worker to know already everything about this customer through AI. What that means is when a customer asks questions, the AI is reading those questions and filtering all of the information for the front end user. So they already know how they can help. In a kind of dashboard and a kind of predictive text. Yeah, predictive in a dashboard, a, a filtered view, for example. So, for example, uh, a customer comes in and they have multiple products across multiple uh, sections of your company. So you're not allowed to see all of this, and you have to click around and everything. But because the person, uh, the the chat uh, AI, asked the right questions to the customer, the customer gave all of it correctly. Now it comes to you, and the view is already the view that it needs to be to answer their question. And now you can have your human to human interaction and also get done fast. Yeah. So yeah. that. Yeah, that, that, that is useful. I wonder if, you, if customer support will get better again, because it feels like we had all these customer support apps uh, being introduced in the last five to 10 years. And as a result, we had a, a lot worse trained or less qualified people doing customer support. And now it's become a, a hassle to talk to anybody at customer support because if, if you deviate anything from the standard answer, it's it's just a pain. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, I know what because you mean. Because they didn't have, it used to be quite highly trained people that do customer service because it was the front line of the business, kind of like we all have a good face and then yeah. put all these apps in and just cut some college students. And yeah. now I'm thinking with AI tools, it'll get even worse because you'll not even get a human at all unless what you're suggesting yeah. is really going to happen. They're not going to get a, even a college student and they're just going to have your jackpot. And yeah. if you deviate anything from the standard question, he's going to be like, I don't know, I'll give you this answer. No, this is not what I want to, but oh, I'll give you this answer. No, this is also not, you know. Yeah, the training is going to be part of the process. And I think that's why the first few years, it will always be human assistant AI. And the AI will be there. Humans will be as a backend. And if the AI gets lost twice, or thrice, depending on how much uh, reputation damage the, the company is willing to take, then the human will enter into the chat to help you out. But to be honest, as you said, the humans are not that great either. And that depends from company to company or to user to user. Some uh, some people are just great. 
uh, as customer support employees. Yeah. Uh, some companies are great. Some of them are very annoying. So it also depends. I heard this from a, a friend of mine, and I do not know how you think about it, how your experience has been, because you've also traveled the world a lot. So has so has he. So he says in the West, when you call customer support, you feel like a human is talking to you. And I mean that like both in both cases, a human is talking. But because those call centers are outsourced in, in countries like Pakistan, India, when you pick up there, they have to rigidly stick to a script because they don't have the rights or the liberty to do something, right? To help you over and above. They're paid to just follow a script. While in the West, they're like, yeah, we are, we are paid to follow a script, but we're also paid good money to also like our jobs. Yeah. So we also can go over and above. So yeah, sure. Yeah, the, so the, train, the training is also more uh, holistic in a way. Like the, they, they know more about the company and so on. They're not just hired in outsourced uh, call, center. call center people who don't actually know more than the script that they've been Yeah, exactly. So his example was that he tried to call this uh, company which has offices in India uh, about some insurance and they were like, no, we can't help you. But then he called the head office of the company directly, which was in Germany and they sorted it out. Yeah. And it was like there, they were like, no, it can't happen because it was a script. But here they were like, let me see what we can do for you. And I had a personal experience myself right now recently that uh, I called the Pakistan embassy because my passport is with them and I missed the, the, the calling time, but they picked up. They were like, this is not the time. I'm like, yeah, but I'm, uh, I, it's, I'm not calling for counseling services. I'm calling for my passport that is with you guys. I just want to know, can I get it? They're like, no, that's part of the counseling services. I'm like, yeah, but you've picked up the phone. So might as well talk to me. <laughs> Right? And I know this is, a, this is not the time right now, just call us later. I'm like, okay. Well, if I call, for example, my, my sister is about to apply for the Dutch visa and I called the embassy in Dubai uh, to talk to them about an invitation uh, mix-up that we had. And I was on call with them for 30 minutes. They were trying to fix it. They were like, okay, let me check. Can you hold for a second there? Oh, I tried this way. This one cannot work. Everyone has to have an invitation letter. Even your six-month uh, nephew also has to have one. Can we not work around it? I tried. I asked them, but I don't think it's possible. It's now rules. So they also had to follow some protocols. But that 30-minute conversation made me feel like they listened to me a little bit compared to that five-minute conversation. It was like, I don't care. Rules are rules. Uh, you, yeah, yeah. Do you think the, the use of AI in these interactions will... Like, will the AI bot actually be more helpful than the, the call center guy? Maybe, yeah. Yeah, technically speaking, yes. He would have to know more about the company. And it will know more, right? But yeah. it will know more because of it will be fed all the information correctly and also the fact that it will never get tired of you. So you can keep asking questions and questions and generative AI will always give you yeah, different yeah, answers. It will always be yeah. happy to answer. And you will get more annoyed than it. <laughs> but in this case, the customer support gets more annoyed. And that's very frustrating. You're like, you're the customer support. I'm the customer. I need to be a bit happy. And I'm like, yeah, I, I don't want to take you for granted, but you need to, you are the ones who are providing a service. So I need to have a little bit of something. So, so but have you ever had an experience like that? Oh, of course. Yeah. Plenty, plenty. I mean, uh, going around the world, you talking to airlines or something like that. I mean, it's always a huge pain. There's like, there's three levels, right? There's the actual chatbot up to now, which was absolutely abhorrent. You get somewhere, you say, this is a, this is Emma the chatbot. Do you want to ask a question about this or that? And they never. And they are, they let me connect to if, if there's something that they would have told me, then I would have Googled it myself, you know? Yeah. But then they say, okay, I'm going to forward you to some guy. Then you... At the second layer, which is the, the call center guy with a script, and you're just like, oh, didn't you read the question that I just asked? Uh, I will write it again. Or worst thing, you ask two questions, they will only answer the first one, right? Uh, and then the third one, yeah, you have people who are 
actually listening. Yeah. I really like that during the pandemic, people were just sitting at home, you could hear their dog barking in the background, and they were actually happy to talk to you, because then nobody else, you like, hey, so, how was your lunch, kind of situation, and that was really <laughs> refreshing. Yeah. I talked to my insurance yeah. guy for like 40 minutes, just because we're having a nice time. Yeah. I, I wish yeah. we could have that, but maybe AI will get in there. I, I, I agree with you about the pandemic part. And uh, this is something I learned from one of the older gentlemen who was my colleague and one of my clients. Uh, he would start his emails so nicely. Uh, he would be like, good morning uh, from London. Uh, the weather here has been great so far. We've been very lucky. And the first paragraph would be just a story. And I, I, I enjoyed a morning walk and everything. And you, you, you fed it into your AI to make bullet points through crap, right? But after one paragraph, <laughs> the second paragraph, he starts talking about work, right? And uh, and then he's a British gentleman, so of course uh, he also was very eloquent in the way he was writing. And uh, but that mail just made me very happy because I was like, it feels like I'm talking to someone. Uh, with, with purpose. We are humans at the end of the day. And storytelling is part of our thing, right? It is part of our thing that we need to make the other person feel wanted. That, you know, I, I want to listen to you or I, I want to share with you. And that is something I've seen a lot in my day-to-day as well, because I also work as a scrum master in the organizations that I'm in, right? So a scrum master is supposed to be a person who keeps the team happy. That's the best way I try to say but it. But you have to be a human. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. exactly. A scrum master is going to be replaced? I don't, think it, I don't think they can, because it's a very human thing, like a team lead. A team lead cannot become... Uh, a project manager cannot become an AI, in my opinion. No, because gathering requirements and talking to all the stakeholders and getting everything off the ground, no amount of generative AI can get there yet. Not like an all-purpose AI yet. Well, the question is also, will people interact with them the same way? Will people give them the same attention? And you can, as I said, you can use, as as a project manager, you can always use things. So for example... I hate, yeah, I hate hit me meetings. with another tool that I can use. <laughs> I, I hate, I hate uh, meetings. I love the human connection, but I hate meetings because I'm like, that's a waste of time if I'm working. So my opinion on work is if I can get shit done in four hours or three hours, I can spend the rest six hours chilling with you guys. And that is still me with the work people, but at least now may, may having meaningful conversations, even about the business, like, okay, where do you think it's going? But wasteful time in, in meetings in which you're just repeating the same thing again and again, I would like to do away with that. Like Shopify did. Shopify has, has deleted almost 40,000 hours from their calendar, something like that, organization-wide. They said no more meetings. Okay. Recovering meetings are not allowed. They closed it. So their whole, all of their calendars, of their, all, of their, all of their employees, anywhere there was a recurring meeting, they deleted it. They're like, no recurring meetings allowed. Uh, I know a company in the neighborhood that should do that. No, no, no names. That I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, okay. Yeah. So uh, uh, did you ask for the name of the company? No, I asked about the, the tools. No, I'm saying that I know a company in the neighborhood for them. Ah, okay, yeah, yeah, I get what you mean. That's why. <laughs> no, but like, so they did that, and uh, I really love that thing. And I, I, what I try to sell people is, for example, as a scrum master as well. I'm like, we're gonna have a meeting, and we're gonna discuss a lot about stuff that we're gonna have, right? So within the meeting, if we're filling out an Excel sheet together, that doesn't make sense to me. I'm like, why don't I send you the Excel sheet 30 minutes before the meeting? Fill it out. And in the meeting, let's discuss it. So that these are the small things that I try to understand. So I'm thinking AI could really help there by becoming that virtual assistant for you that before a meeting starts, you tell it that, okay, I need these requirements filled by everybody. So 
30 minutes before the meeting, the AI sends an email to all the stakeholders saying that, hey, this meeting is about to start and from you, I need this from you, I need that from you, I need that, can you please reply to me uh, in the next 15 minutes? And in the next 15 minutes, you get the, you get the replies and the AI reads all of those replies and makes a very nice summary for you or key point list for you or even visualizes it for you like a, like a board or something. Yeah. And then you take that board into the meeting and you're like, hey, this is what you guys just told me about, let's have a fruitful discussion. So that, that one hour, two hour meeting becomes a 30 minute meeting. And that is very productive 30 minutes. Right. So those are things I would rather enjoy in which you have the human element, but also you're leveraging everyone's time properly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And like then, an initiative I heard recently about, I don't know the name or anything, but uh, they were saying doctor's time. So they're not going to replace the doctor uh, with, an, with a robot or an AI because the human connection, the empathy and so on is a very important part of the product process as well. But the doctor is using so much of his time doing admin after each call, writing everything down, or, yeah. Or, uh, yeah, after each interaction with their people. So yeah. why don't we just outsource that part and have the doctor still have yeah. a lot of time to sit down with his, his um, patients and so on, but yeah, yeah. Not just that. There was also Google is coming up with a lot of technology. So not just AI, but like hard. Yeah, of AI, course. AI would have a really hard time transcribing you right now because you're talking like. <laughs> Just, well, to, to be honest, and this is for everyone who's listening, I'm meeting Phil after almost a month. And uh, you're excited. Yes. And you don't know, <laughs> you don't know how much fun Phil is as a person. So whenever I come next to Phil, uh, I always get very excited to share everything that I have, uh, I have to share. So that is why, Phil, I am talking like a machine gun. But uh, to bring the conversation back to what we were discussing, um, I read about Google. So this is not AI, but hardware in trying to make uh, easier for doctors in uh, understanding stuff. So for example, glasses that they can wear during surgery that tells you all the vitals here. So while you're working, instead of all the time looking there, there and making a mistake. And a lot of doctors were not, some of the doctors were not happy with it. A lot of them were happy with it, but only because people who were making them did not ask doctors what they wanted. So it was just a digression yeah. from our AI conversation, but I really think that should be the purpose of AI. It should not be replacing or creating random shit. It should be, okay, what problem am I willing to solve for which person? Yeah. And I think that's a very good use case of doctor's admin time. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What is another tool that can... Well, I want to give, I, I give a shout out to the, the, the one tool that I really like, as I mentioned to you, uh, co-piloting. Uh, I think that's wonderful. Power BI has its own co-pilot and uh, uh, Git has its own co-pilot. I, I work with Power BI all the time. Which, which is basically... Uh, coding co-pilot. It, it, but yeah, it's basically a, a sentence completion. For yeah, exactly. So co-pilot is just a, a coding uh, AI that's going to help you check your, uh, check your code or complete your code or even make code from scratch. So I've been using ChatGPT these days. ChatGPT also does it for you. So I'm using ChatGPT these days to create formulas in Excel and Power BI that I want to understand. But here, of course, your proprietary information is safe because all you're asking is like, hey, if I want to find a middle part of this uh, cell in Excel, uh, what kind of formula will I use? And it makes you a very generic formula and then yeah. you just import it with the information you want. And I think that is a game changer, especially for developers sure. and coders. They're going to love it. They're going to love it. And uh, I also am using it a lot these days and I'm like, oh, my work becomes much, much easier because before it was like five or 10 stack overflow tabs had to be open for me to troubleshoot yeah, everything. Yeah. And now everything becomes streamlined. Just ask, just ask it. Ask it. And you can also, it can also guide you. It can also finish it for you. So why not? Yeah. It makes it so much easier. 
Yeah, I mean, the whole code generation is a huge part. I have a friend who's just starting a company, actually, from Smart Compute, which is creating um, AI agents. Basically, you you tell the AI what kind of task you want to have recurrently running, like as a, as a program. So it writes you the program, stores it in a repository, executes it on a recurrent uh, interval or whatever it needs can be triggered by emails coming in or something like that. But actually writes the code for you, it tests the code, it like it stores it, and then you can execute it whenever you want. Yeah. It's pretty amazing to see. And show me the back end of this, like how it's like going through writing it, running it, oh it's getting an error here. Let's rewrite it. Oh no, oh, still an error. Debugging and everything. It's yeah. debugging itself, it's it's storing it, it's running and you can have like all these agents running for you in the, in the back end so much. Yeah, in these things, debugging, for example, amazing use cases because this wastes a lot of human human's time, and you yeah. can just anyone can do it. That's that's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That debugging, but even just something that you would have had to ask uh, an external agency to develop for you. Yeah. Like let's say you had some kind of software, whatever agency, and you say, oh, you need to write me a program to do this on a regular basis. No, you don't need that anymore. So yeah. what's really funny to me is that the one of the first jobs probably that's gonna be gone is probably cheap developers, like simple developers. <laughs> They're gonna be replaced. Yeah, it would be very interesting, yeah, to see if that that happens because I'm pretty curious because of the most type automation since the dawn of time has always been affecting the most lower level people. And this is the first time where automation will actually affect knowledge workers the first. Exactly. 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 So we were always saying, oh, we need more developers. They're going to be like a high paying job forever. I think a, a waiter will last longer than a simple program. Exactly. And it's pretty, pretty cool to see where it goes and how it goes, uh, to be honest. I, I'm really, really curious to see. But that's a very good use case there your friend is making up. I think I'm pretty, pretty curious to see how it turns out. Yeah. Uh, smart compute. Yeah. Oh, pretty nice. Up, yeah. yeah. Last one that I want to mention because we're getting way... 15 minutes have gone by. See, now, now everyone understands why I'm so excited because talking with Phil, 15 minutes go by and you don't even know. So last one that I want to mention is do not pay. Okay. It's called your AI chatbot lawyer. Do I have to pay for it? Yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But the idea is it, it links couples to your uh, bank account. Okay. It scans your transactions. It finds subscriptions. Uh, and it finds uh, weird payments. Anything out of your bank. Yeah. Uh, and of course, you can also ask it to do a lot of different other stuff, but I'm talking about automation, that it goes through your bank account and finds your subscription, then it asks you periodically, hey, are you still using these subscriptions? Do you want me to cancel one of them? You go like, hey, can I cancel this one? It's like, okay. It finds the email, sends an email, writes up an email, says that I please cancel this for me if it's an email base. If it's not an email base, it cancels it for you through the website, cancels the subscription for you. If you had, for example, a flight, and you had your share of airlines, right? So it would yeah. say, was this flight fun or was it satisfactory? And you go like, yeah, it was, or yeah, no, it wasn't. Or, or yeah. And then it goes like, okay, it sends an email to customer support saying that, hey, by the way, I was not really happy with this ad. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, it writes, every, it writes a whole thing. It's like thing. trying to get. Yeah, a discount or free fund or something. And also what it does is, for example, it sees your electricity payment. It go like, oh, you're paying 55 euros to Ziggo. I just read online that there is a scheme running by KPN that for 30 euros, they're giving you the same 125 bid. Do you want me to apply for that? And so, right, and so right. yeah, and you go like, yeah, then it sends a cancellation email to Ziggo. And then after receiving an acknowledgement, it sends an email uh, to KPN to sign up for their 
you can you can imagine how it's going right and then you can also ask it to write you your because apparently us is very bad in legal forms i think we in, in holland we're a bit safer so you can also ask it to write a lot of legal forms fill out legal things for you and it's basically a chatbot lawyer okay so that's interesting like this has two two aspects first of all now it kind of works because it's a niche kind of thing like you're the company that receives the cancellation doesn't know why they received it or they don't know that they're yeah, yeah. written by an AI. But if, let's say, everybody starts using it and it's all over the news that this exists, then companies will have to heed yeah. to that as well. So what yeah. do you think will happen? Yeah. Um, what do you think will happen to the, to the market if this becomes so broadly used that basically every Ziggo, every KPN in the world knows that they'll be under the scrutiny yeah. or something. Well, what what do you think will happen if companies have to uh, start giving out discounts or lower their prices? Yeah, it, it's basically a market-making situation. I think when everybody knows that they're going to be under the scrutiny that uh, oh, if there's a better deal from the competition, everybody will switch over automatically because yeah. their AI will suggest it to them. They will have to be very careful and very. So a new equilibrium will be reached, and everyone will have the same prices. Then, so that no one jumps around here and there. That's the natural uh, conclusion, yeah, right? Yeah, I think that's. The yeah. yeah, I think that's yeah. the first step, and that's yeah. actually, yeah, that is quite valuable. Or you will start to get some kind of. Yeah, that that always happens. I think, uh, but what I really like already is that uh, these kind of apps. You also have companies who have their own chatbots. So this company, I think, do not pay, or some other company actually had. Uh, a showdown between a company's chatbot and their chatbot asking for a discount. So it was basically just two chatbots talking to each other till the end. It sounds like like 2008 stock market or two two machines basically eyes right. The two algorithms are just fighting yeah, each other. Down. Exactly. Yeah. So I do not know how it's going to turn out. In my opinion, I think uh, you will just reach a new equilibrium. But you, it's a it's a point where you're in in a benefit if you have the edge of yeah. Yeah. But that's right with now. most things, right? Crypto was the same. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. But if you're right that, now, yeah. If, yeah, it's right now, you're good. But like a few years from now, and all the other startups also start doing this, or companies also start getting aware of this, because right now they assume a human is doing it. And that's why, uh, to bring it for full circle to our initial point, I think, Phil, there's nothing to worry about AI right now, in the sense that am I going to be felt back? Yeah. I feel like we're years away from everyone using AI like everyone uses Excel. Years away. I, I can say that with a little bit of a surety because I'm in the industry, I'm looking at people around me and it's a very niche market. It's a very niche amount of people who are really using it. Some people really love using it and that's, that's always the case, right? Whenever you have, uh, even with electronics, uh, before this phone that I had, I had the flip phone. And in, in my circle, in my extended circle, I think me and my sister were the only ones that I knew who had a flip phone. No one else had it. No one else trusted it. They were like, what if it breaks or something? And now they're already in the fifth or sixth year of making these flip phones but it still hasn't penetrated the market as much as the normal iPhone or the normal Samsung because people are like, ah, I'm not still sure. I don't see the use case. I don't know if it's going to be great, but I can tell you for a fact going forward, flip phones are going to be the thing because if they have the same processor as this, same quality as this, but a double the screen, why won't you buy it? It makes it, makes it better for you, bigger for you. And everyone is really enjoying it uh, in, in, the, in the journalism world because they're like, we have to read stuff and everything. It's basically replacing a tablet, for example. Okay. But... But right now, people are like, I don't know, it's too bulky, it's too this, it's too that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but with more technology, it's going to get better and better, right? So it might even get thinner and thinner. So it'll be the same size, but it'll be a flip. 
you know, those kind of things. Well, as long as it's solving a problem that we actually need solving. Well, that I would, I would not say because that's what for-profit is, right? For-profit organizations are not looking to solve problems, they're looking to sell stuff. Yeah, well, like Steve Jobs, if you don't know what the, people don't know what they want, we have to tell them what they want. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And that's the case. No one really needs uh, all of this uh, sometimes. It's, uh, we want, I'll, I'll give you, so <laughs> I love to buy shit all the time, right? Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's solving problems. Not necessarily. So I bought a robot vacuum. Love it. Love it. And I feel like it actually solved the problem because now our house is cleaner and we don't have to vacuum. So that's great. But also on the side, for example, I also bought a power blender recently. And uh, the reason that I, a, power? a power blender, yeah. so I already have an immersion blender, a hand blender, yeah. but it is not powerful enough to make dosas. Yeah. So I was like, you know, I want to make dosas. So I could have bought a normal blender and, or maybe an extension of the blender with the immersion blender that I can use. Yeah. And I was like, if I'm buying a blender, might as well go for a power blender so that I can also make smoothies and everything. And now I bought the power blender and it's amazing to be really honest, but I could do without it. But I still want to enjoy it. And I do enjoy it. I use it daily to make fresh juices for me and my wife. But I also have a juicer that I could have used to make fresh juices for my wife. So do you get it? It's this the capitalism there is that we always are told to buy stuff that we practically don't need. Yeah. So AI is going to be the same thing. There are going to be so many tools out there that are going to tell us that you need this. So that's where I would really recommend and ask people to practice mindfulness with AI as, as they do with everything else, that be mindful to see if really it works for you or not. You don't need to use it just because it exists. Yeah. Right? Right. That's a, yeah, that's a very important point. Don't get overrun by all these juicy use cases that you might not actually use. But think about it. What do I need? And then start Googling. I need something to transcribe my emails. That's a good idea. Or my meetings. I will start to Google if there is an AI for it. Yeah, instead of just saying, I, I need AI in my life. And I'm going to Google what AI tools are out there. And then start using them. Yeah, it happens to me so many times that I'm in an organization and, uh, oh, but can we do machine learning on it? Or can we do AI on it? And I'm like, yeah, but what do you mean by do AI on it? What, 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 do, AI what do you want to do? I literally, I have clients who say that to me. So how can we do AI with it? And I'm like, what do you mean? How can you do AI with it? What do you want to solve? What is the problem you're looking for? They're like, no, I'm looking to use AI. I'm like, yeah, but it needs to solve Just it. because, uh, yeah, that's it's exactly true. You got to really turn that around in your head. Like, okay, what do I find annoying right now, basically? What I can automate. Or well, not even. Like, what do I find annoying and then see, can I automate? Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, any anything that works for you. Like, is there a problem I need solving? Right. Is the solving, is, is the solution automation or is the solution something else? And then slowly, slowly, it's, it's a Venn diagram or like a tree diagram that goes in your head. You get somewhere. And I think that's very, very important. And uh, yeah, I think it's it's pretty interesting uh, where people get to it. But we are at the one hour mark. So Phil, do you have any closing remarks? Well, thanks a lot for the conversation. It has been fun. And I did hear about some new things. I'm going to check it out. And also, I want to say next time you come over, I wanted to bring some dosa batter. Yes, I will be making some dosas for you. <laughs> I actually have to make it myself once. I, my wife, I'm telling my wife every single day, can I make dosas today? She's like, no. And I can I make dosas today? She's like, no. Come on. It's the best thing. Can you let me make dosas? She's like, why do you want to make dosas so badly? <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, I will make it one day. We're going to have some fun. Yeah. So if nothing else, thank you so much for listening, everybody else. I hope you had fun with Phil uh, as much as I did. 
as apparently I, I was shown, but uh, it, uh, it was a lot of fun and I hope uh, to catch you next time. So thank you so much. And thank you so much, Phil. Yeah.